I'm going to be honest with you. I did not really understand state legislatures before starting this podcast. I mean, I still don't fully understand them, but listen, we're in this together, folks. We're all learning here. But even just a few years ago, I thought that the state capitol and the politicians in it were just a more localized version of our U.S. capitol and our U.S. Congress. Surely there's a Schoolhouse Rock song about that, right? I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. No, not that one. Maybe there's another... No, sorry, getting distracted. Anyway, today we're spending a lot of time talking about the Arkansas legislature, how it works, and how one amendment may really impact not just legislators, but future candidates as well. Hi, I'm Matthew Moore, and this is Natural Election, a podcast from Ozarks at Large and KUAF, all about elections in Arkansas. Throughout this series, we'll examine what it takes to vote in the natural state ahead of the election on November 8th. The final constitutional amendment that we're covering on the podcast is actually the first issue you'll see on the ballot this election. Arkansas Issue 1. The popular title is the following. A constitutional amendment to allow the General Assembly to convene an extraordinary session upon the issuance of a joint written proclamation of the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the President Pro Tempore of the Senate, or upon the submission of a written proclamation containing the signatures of at least two-thirds of the members of the House of Representatives and at least two-thirds of the members of the Senate to the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the President Pro Tempore of the Senate requesting that the General Assembly convene an extraordinary session really just rolls off the tongue. The simple version is this. If this amendment passes, the legislature will have the authority to call themselves into special session and will no longer need the governor to do so. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's go back to the basics. Schoolhouse Rock vibes here. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and... Still the wrong song. The Arkansas legislature is made up of two bodies, the House and the Senate, 100 state representatives and 35 state senators. Typically, this body meets in what is called a general session. This is scheduled to occur in January, and it will last for about 60 days unless the legislature votes to extend it. For many years, these general sessions were every other year. That was until 2008. When voters approved a constitutional amendment. A constitutional amendment. That feels fitting, huh? That's Andrew DeMillo, by the way. He is the Capitol correspondent in the Little Rock Bureau for the Associated Press. That went from uh, biannual uh, sessions, you know, meeting every other year, to annual sessions. Now... In odd-numbered years, the legislature meets for their general session. Where they take up any issues, and uh, in even-numbered years for what they call fiscal sessions, which was intended to to focus uh, primarily on the budget. So what was once an every-other-year legislature has been an annual legislature for the last decade-plus, and that doesn't even count the other meetings lawmakers are committed to having in Little Rock large number of committees meet. You have the Legislative Council, which is the basically the, the legislature's kind of governing body when, when they're not in session. And the, the, that council has a number of subcommittees. 
And, uh, you know, one of the changes that we've seen over the years was there was a constitutional amendment approved back in 2014 that required a legislative review and approval of you know, many agency rules. And that also expanded the scope and really expanded the amount of time and work that that lawmakers are, are doing now. Did you catch that? Another constitutional amendment? Noticing a pattern here? So, not counting special sessions, legislators are very busy. But it makes sense that there are some extreme examples that would require them to come together for, as they call it, an extraordinary session. I spoke to Kristen Higgins, a program associate in the Arkansas Public Policy Center, assured she would be able to concretely answer some questions. Can you give a little bit of parameters maybe for us as to kind of set the guideline of like what constitutes a special session, like what makes something a special session? Uh, there's no definition. Oh, good. <laughs> there's nothing in there that says this is a special issue. It is literally whatever the governor feels that the legislature needs to, to deal with. So while there's no definition... The way the Constitution reads is that the governor is the one to call the legislature into special session. The governor sets the agenda, and they are supposed to last 15 days. There was one year where uh, Bill Clinton had a a special session agenda of like 30 plus items. So how that that was a special session, that to me almost sounded just like a legislative session. That's just a regular (laughs) session. Yeah. Right. But it was, it was a special session. Uh, When I, when I talk to people and I give presentations, I talk about special sessions and I say, well, and don't think that a special session is actually special because it happens all the time. Since 2017, special sessions have been called. That's on top of the 11 general sessions and seven fiscal sessions. So yes, there's been nearly as many extraordinary sessions as there have been ordinary sessions. So let's dive into this amendment. Why do supporters of issue one say that they are in favor of this? Kristen Higgins again. Well, legislators say that they want to have equal power. You know, if you think about the the branches of government and each of them being equal, um, they see that the governor has too much authority and that they don't have enough. Someone could argue that, you know, that if a law is passed by the legislature and the governor vetoes that, it doesn't take a two-thirds majority, it doesn't take 60%, it just takes 50% plus one to overturn a governor's veto. So in that capacity, you know, the legislature does have a pretty substantial amount of authority. And that's exactly what opponents say. They they bring that up. They say Arkansas already has a weakened government governor position because of that veto authority that the legislature has. So that's exactly what opponents of issue one are bringing up. Andrew DeMillo agrees. The special session is one of the, you know, one of the areas where the governor really still has, has an advantage here. You know, Arkansas is a state where there are a, a good, a, you know, good number of limits on a governor's power. Uh, with a special session, the governor really has has that advantage of being able to set the agenda. It's such a high bar for legislators being able to try to get other things taken up uh, at the end of the session that it it doesn't really it doesn't really happen. There's really been you know, reservations about trying to open up the agenda like this. So this 
this would, if it does pass, it does kind of take away an advantage that governors traditionally have have had here, and would that would be a pretty big shift. Do you know of any specific examples of of topics or policies that the General Assembly has wanted to bring to a special session and the governor has declined to do so? Um, you know, I think areas where you've seen this this fight uh, this fight come up, and I don't even. Under these rules, I'm not sure if they would have been able to come up under the rules under this amendment. Uh, but you've seen fights over, you know, trying to bring up uh, abortion restri- abortion restrictions during special sessions, uh, you know, or uh, limits on what businesses can do uh, in terms of uh, in terms of vaccine requirements. We saw that during the pandemic, and go- you know, the governor really had. You know the power to say the power to say no. I, I want to keep this limited to just you know you know one, two, or three topics of of my own here. Another important element of this amendment is that it requires two thirds of both the House and the Senate to call themselves into session. Some of those examples that have come up. I'm still not sure under this setup if they if they would come up because two thirds is still a pretty high bar to have to clear. It's a lot of votes. Yeah, exactly. Opponents also say that if the legislature is allowed to call themselves into session, it makes it even less of a part-time job than it is currently. Randy Zook is the CEO of the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce, and he said in a press release recently, quote, voters benefit from having a truly representative citizen legislature, and if issue one passes, makes it harder for the average Arkansan to serve We will move even closer to a full-time legislature. Stanley Hill, the vice president of public affairs and government relations of Arkansas Farm Bureau, agrees, saying, quote, The bottom line is special sessions should be called in rare circumstances and not used as a political tool. All of that context in place, the ballot measure is quite straightforward. The language, while clunky, is exactly what it sets out to be. So, what does a yes vote mean and a no vote mean here? A yes vote means that you approve the Arkansas legislature's ability to call themselves into extraordinary session, so long as they can get the approval of two-thirds of the members of both the House and the Senate. A no vote means that you want to keep the authority to call an extraordinary session solely with the governor. We'll be right back. You're listening to a podcast produced by KUAF, your public radio station for more than three decades. Hello, I'm Timothy Dennis. KUAF's on-air programming features the latest news from NPR, with shows like All Things Considered, 1A, and Here and Now, locally hosted music programs on the weekend that you won't find online, local newscasts every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30, updates on events happening throughout the KUAF listening area, and more. To listen, tune your radio to 91.3 FM, visit our website, KUAF.com, or tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. For some Arkansans, getting to the polls can present some obstacles. According to numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, nearly one in three Arkansans has a disability. My co-host Daniel Carruth recently spoke with Jonathan Taylor, 
executive director of the Arkansas Governor's Council on Developmental Disabilities, about what his group is doing to make voting more accessible for everyone. All right. So, Jonathan, can you first off just kind of tell me a little bit, you know, about the number of people of Arkansas adults who have a developmental disability and break down what that term developmental disability means. Roughly 8% of the state has a cognitive disability and that tends to be classified along with developmental disabilities in general. DD, which is how we tend to refer to it, it's a group of conditions that cause impairment in physical, learning, language, or behavior areas. The conditions start during childhood and very often impact day-to-day functioning and usually last throughout a person's lifetime. Uh, The examples that tend to come up the most when people talk about DD are um, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, spina bifida, and then everything that's considered an intellectual disability are all considered under that host umbrella of developmental disabilities. And so when it comes to, you know, voting, what are some of the barriers that people with a disability have when, when they go to vote or even, you know, getting registered? Sure. I mean, when you start talking about barriers, it, it, oh, sometimes it's just where do you start? Where do you go? And certainly we would recommend if you're not sure about where to go first, I would go right to the Arkansas Secretary of State website. And there's a specific part under there, elections for voters. It's one of the first tabs that you can find. Or you can even type in Arkansas Secretary of State Voter View, and that will bring it up succinctly. So I would start from the comfort of your own home on your phone or your computer and look it up there to start. So when you talk about barriers at the polling places, sometimes that's things like architectural barriers. Arkansas is a rural state, so that means grass and gravel parking lots a lot of times. But also, some towns have a limited selection of suitable places to vote. So when you get into limited places to vote, grass and gravel, sometimes it's just getting around with a wheelchair or mobility device, that can be a significant challenge. In Arkansas, I'm just wondering, you know, over time, how have we seen voting rights for people with disabilities change? Like, has it gotten easier or harder for people to vote in the last uh, however many years? You know, certainly, you know, different voter laws pass and are challenged and are challenged again. I think what it really comes down to is less around the conditions that it takes to vote. And it's more just about accessibility more than anything else. Those are the complaints I hear about. Less about registering to vote, but accessibility to those places. Although I will tell you that some polling places do a good job of accommodating people with developmental disabilities to get in there to vote. We talked about grass and gravel there was one polling team in Washington County. They went out and got those, um, those big rubberized horse mats, and they created accessible parking spaces for people that needed to vote. And so for those people on a wheelchair and mobility devices, that made a, a huge difference. And it was creative thinking on, on the part of that polling team. And so what are some ways, you know, that the polling places, cities, counties, election commissions, some things that they can do in order to make voting more accommodating or accessible? The best thing they could do is find a person with a disability and have them move through that space and take lots of notes and see what happens. That person who's experiencing that polling station is going to be the one that you're going to be able to see. Were they able to get in the door easily or were they able to get to the polling station? Was our table where you sign in, was that too high? Was it too low? They can take you completely through that space and see what the experience looks like. That's the first place I would say I would look at. 
Uh, there's a saying when it comes to work with people with disabilities, and that is nothing about us without us. When you include people with disabilities in the decision-making process, it's always far more likely to be equitable and accessible for everyone involved. The other thing I would do is just don't be afraid to make temporary adaptations to that environment. It's not hard to make um, a temporary ramp. Anybody could always partner with Arkansas Rehab Services or ICANN, which has extra equipment for you know, accessible environments. They might be able to get a temporary ramp for you or something like that if that's what you needed. And does the, the council provide any resources or know any resources like for polling places or commissions that are, are looking to do this work and looking to change how things are done in their region or area? You know, I, I would say that in terms of resources we can provide, we can connect anybody with the right resource. That, that's really the biggest thing. The council itself doesn't provide direct services, but we always know who does. So reaching out to us to help us say, hey, you know what, who do I need to talk to at Secretary of State? Or you mentioned ICANN or Arkansas Rehab Services. Who do I need to reach out to there? Um, a lot of the service providers that are on the ground in the state might have that equipment on hand as well, too. And I'm wondering for you, you know, why, why is this work important, you know, for someone? I think people with disabilities often get kind of left out or, or feel like an afterthought, especially for something like voting. Many people probably just don't think about that. So why is this work important? And what do we lose when we don't include people in the process? Well, when you look at developmental disabilities, they exist across every demographic there is. Age, gender, race, religion, and party affiliation. In fact, the partisan breakdown of Arkansans with disability reflects the general population of the state. What it comes down to is that Arkansans with developmental disabilities should be part of the democratic process, just like everybody else. And ultimately, all good policy is also disability policy. And what I mean by that is disability is a demographic that anybody can join at any point in their life. Now, certainly developmental disabilities, yes, it's something that you're often born with and it happens in childhood, but you could become injured and be disabled. And then all of a sudden, the parts of Arkansas that were easily accessible to you are not. When you take disability into account, when you build processes and policies, it makes it equitable and accessible to everyone. And that's why it's important for people with developmental disabilities to have their voice be heard. And then for voters with disabilities um, or, you know, caregivers, people who have someone in their life who this could help, what are some things that they need to know or resources for them? If you have questions about your rights, uh, Disability Rights Arkansas has a great website and they have people that can answer your questions there as well. Uh, the other thing to do, too, is particularly when early voting starts, um, if you're not sure, just go to the precinct and ask some questions. You know, one thing to remember with the voting process is that all the poll workers are 100% volunteer, and they all do this work out of a strong sense of duty, and they want to do it right. So if you have questions, just start finding out, well, who are the poll workers in my town? Who is the precinct captain? And just start asking questions. And if they can't answer it, they'll find out. That's really what it comes down to. Um, the other thing to remember, too, is in general, if you're a person with a disability and you're going to vote, you have the right to bring somebody into the polling area with you to help. And it could be just something as simple as, here, hold my notes, which you're allowed to bring, or, hey, hit this button for me, whatever it is. But poll workers just need to remember that, hey, they can bring somebody in there with them and they can bring notes. And I will say this, notes in general 
are always a good thing. Whenever there's more than one ballot initiative, I have notes because I don't always remember exactly what I want to do. In fact, um, my son, one of my sons voted for the first time in the last election and he had lots of questions and we talked about it and he took notes and he brought his notes with him and he voted. He didn't tell us who he voted for because he said, that's my business. That's not your business, dad. Okay. And that's no different for people with disabilities. They have the right to go in there with notes, with aids, vote how they choose to see fit and go from there, just like the rest of us. I think sometimes you talked about people with disabilities get pushed to the side. I think it's important to remember that people with disabilities are just like the rest of us, and they should be able to vote and participate in the democratic process, just like the rest of us. More than anything else, I would say, get out there and vote. You just, you just never know. Um, I, I certainly watched all of the last elections in the primaries, and we were talking with some of them, you know, the difference between one person getting elected or not was, you know, a handful of votes, maybe a hundred votes here or there. Don't think that your vote doesn't count. And if you are a person with an intellectual developmental disability, your vote counts. So if you have questions, get online from the comfort of your home, see, are you registered? Where are you going to go? Study the issues and just get out there and vote like everybody else. And if you have questions, go talk to the poll workers. I have never had a bad experience with a poll worker in the state then they generally want to do things right. And like I said, if they don't know, they will find somebody that can find the answer for you because they want you to vote. And we do too. You've been listening to Natural Election, a podcast production of Ozarks at Large and KUAF Public Radio. The show is co-hosted by Daniel Carruth and me, Matthew Moore. Be sure to subscribe for free to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.